Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Whether it was basketball, baseball, or golf, athletics were always an important part of Chris Cross's life. In 2014, he began serving as Assistant Director of Athletics for Compliance at Cedarville University. And in February of 2022, he was promoted to Athletic Director. Listen as he shares with Mark Weinstein about his goal for all of the student-athletes to be known as Servants of Christ. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. The new academic year is underway, which means the Yellow Jackets men's and women's athletic teams are competing in their respective fall sports. The leader of our athletics program, Chris Cross, is my guest today on the program. Chris was promoted to director of athletics this past February after serving as the university's first full-time assistant director of athletics for compliance back in 2014. Chris also worked in the athletic training department before assuming his role in compliance. From 2018 to 21, Chris was the chair of the Great Midwest Athletic Conference's Compliance Committee. He chaired Cedarville's staff committee to the president in 2016 and was appointed to the university's Strategic Planning Committee back in 2015. He is a graduate of Alderson Brothers College with a degree in sports medicine. And today, Chris Cross is my guest on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. From reading your profile, Chris, it's clear to me to see how important athletics has been in your life, both personally and professionally. How did you develop an interest in athletics, even as a young kid? Yeah, I, I actually just told this story uh, to, uh, to the cabinet just last week. I, just, I, I remember my first jump shot I ever made. I was in probably in a game, probably in fifth or sixth grade. And I just remember the feeling of, of, of taking that shot and then your teammates kind of congratulating you and, you. and then you have an affinity for something and you, you're able to do something fairly well. And that, that comes along with a lot of uh, pats on the back and yeah. then it builds your self-confidence and then you just you just kind of work at it and keep growing at it and um, probably had more focus on athletics as a, as a boy growing up than I probably should have probably didn't have my uh, perspective in the right place as I as, as Lord willing I do today but uh, yeah so it's always been part of my life um, growing up playing uh, high school basketball and golf it's always been part of, some, of, of what I've done and, and who I've been and, and really tried to to fill a hole in my life and we yeah. know how unsuccessful that can be at some yeah. some points and uh uh, but yeah, it's always been part of who I am. Boy, there's something about uh, about boys. I mean, we just love. I mean, I was the same way. I mean, whatever season we are in, yeah. football, basketball, baseball. Yeah. I'm not talking about winter, spring, or summer. Right. I mean, we were playing those games, weren't we? Yeah. As always, kids? always outside. Always I, I, outside. I remember it was a different time then. Um, you know, I remember riding my bike around the neighborhood, trying yeah. to gather kids up to go to the sandlot and play some play some baseball. Yeah. You know. You know. Youth, if, if, if a boy doesn't play Little League Baseball, he's missing out. Absolutely. Those were some of my best experiences growing up. You know, you know, hot days in July. Yep. I, and I was a catcher, you know, having all that gear on. and, and uh, That makes it worse. You no, know, it, was, it was a struggle at some, at some, at some points. But, uh, but just learning the, the, the skills and the, the attitudes and the characteristics that, that youth sports, yeah. um, you know, teaches you was yeah. just invaluable. And, and it wasn't something that my parents really pushed me in, yeah. but it was just something that I had an affinity for and 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 really enjoyed doing. And and yeah, growing up, it was three sports every year till I got to high school, and um, you know, it it was just a fun time. What was your favorite sport? I think young uh, ba- baseball was probably my favorite sport. Okay. You know, I, I gave that up uh, as a freshman in high school, but uh, I I just always had a love for baseball. I, I grew up watching the Pirates play, so there's a lot of stories there. But uh, you know, it just 
coming together with your neighborhood buddies yeah. and playing a game. That's yeah. what it's all about. Just yeah. having fun, yeah. enjoying the game. Um, you know, I used to play some church league softball too. Um, that, that was a lot of fun and, and uh, just a few years ago. But uh, so, but as I grew older, um, you know, I, I'm a fairly tall guy. Yeah, you um, are. And so basketball became my prominent sport and I, I had a fairly successful high school career and it was just, it was fun. And I, I, I look back fondly on the trials um, and that the competition really teaches you and, and the characteristics, characteristics it teaches you. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for my upbringing in the athletic realm. Yeah, I've, I've shared with people close to me that uh, my goal is to play competitive softball till I'm 80. I, and I'm still doing it. So yeah. I, and I still have many more years ago, yeah. but, but the years get, keep getting shorter and shorter. So uh, the value of sports, what it can bring is important, but mm-hmm. then just staying active yeah. is so important and so different. Like you said earlier, today's world compared to like when I was playing little league baseball or Sandlot baseball at Gopher field in St. Joe, Michigan mm-hmm. is far different than what the kids are doing today. They're inside playing on video games. I don't get yeah. it. Youth sports today are so structured too. True, um, you know, you, the parents feel the pressure to put their kids in, and and I've succumbed to the same pressure putting their kids in travel, travel baseball and travel basketball right. and traveling all over the country and paying all kinds of dollars to watch them, watch them play. And um, you know, I, I wish at at some point we'd get back to just just having fun with your buddies. Yeah, that's that's something that's missing, and it's a good point. Now, in preparation of today's podcast, you know, I've talked to various people to learn more about you and. And one person said publicly that you have stated that Barb, your wife, is a better athlete than you. Is that really true? Uh, if my wife is listening, absolutely. Barb and I were uh, in college. We were student assistant coaches for Alderson Broadus College women's okay. basketball. Yeah. And before every practice, we would we would play a game of horse. So for two seasons, I don't think I ever won a game of horse with my wife. Two seasons, every day before practice. That wasn't because you you weren't better than her. You were just trying to win her over. That's the story we'll go with. So, Barb, if you're listening, I I, I uh, sandbagged all every one of those games. <laughs> uh, no, my wife, uh, she was a tremendous high school athlete. She uh, she actually, she hurt her knee her senior year, lost her senior season. Uh, or I, I really believe she would have had a tremendous college career as well. Yeah. Uh, but she could shoot the stinking basketball. Really? Uh, she really could. Um, yeah, so uh, she's a much better basketball player than I ever dreamed of being. Um, and I think that's where the, my boys have gotten all their athletic ability from is definitely from Barb. Do you both have the, the athletic interest today, Barb as well? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Barb's always out with us when, when we go on the road for, for travel sports. Um, you know, she's taught every single one of our boys to shoot, uh, shoot the basketball. And, and she was instrumental growing up uh, with the boys and, and, you know, tossing, you know, slow pitch baseball yeah. and, you know, underhand baseball to the boys so they could hit. And yeah, she's always been active and involved in the boys. That's, that's neat to yeah. hear. So earlier you talked about uh, growing up and uh, watching the Pirates. So let's, let's move into that realm a little bit. Oh boy. Because it's a little controversial. I want to, I want to <laughs> expand it to more than just baseball, but what's controversial is you live in a part of the country that loved the Browns and the Bengals. Yeah. And the Bengals had a great year last year. Yeah. You you're a Steeler fan. Yeah. So how I, is it? How is it be in this world, in this part of the country, where you can get away with that? Well, Mark, you know it's a Steelers nation, right? I, I everywhere agree. you go, I every agree. every game the Steelers are in, whether home or away, you you'll see the terrible uh, the terrible Piles. towel out there. Yep. Um, so, but no, I was born uh, an hour north of Pittsburgh, 
uh, a little town called Parker, Pennsylvania, uh, which is um, around Butler, Clarion area. Butler County? Uh, yeah, that's okay. right. Uh, Meadville area. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I lived there until I was uh, in sixth grade. Halfway through the sixth grade year, we moved away. But uh, yeah, So that's how I grew up. Um, you know, they were on TV, KDKA yeah. TV. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Pirates are always yeah. there playing. And, you know, so I grew up watching those guys and uh, developed a love. And, and you know, the, the Steelers back then – uh, they, it was, they weren't the greatest team in the, in the late early to mid late eighties. Um, so, you know, you, the, the Bubby Brister area was a bit of a struggle for the Steelers, but yeah. we stuck with it. And, uh, now we're, we're it's, it's the Steelers nation. So it's one of the greatest franchises in the NFL. It really is a well-run organization. And, um, my affinity with you is, you know, I'm a Steeler fan too, having lived 15 years in Beaver Falls, mm-hmm. which is just North of, or Northwest of the city of Pittsburgh. And I love the Steelers and it's, isn't it fun though to talk trash to the Browns and, and Bengal fans when the Steelers win? Well, it's 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 easy to do. <laughs> recently, uh, although the Bengals are better, they are, um, and we're we're still out on what the Browns are going to do. But uh, you know, the Steelers have dominated that series here recently. I, I'm skeptical to see what this season and next few seasons right. will bring. But a little bit of transition in the Steelers organization. Uh, but uh, it, it's always fun. I've been to the Bengals Stadium for Steelers games, and the fans have always treated me well there. I've never had any horror, horror stories and, yeah. you know, wearing my Steelers gear. So it's a fun rivalry. And, and, and the folks here in this area, they know who I am, and, it, and it, it's just fun to tease everyone. And, you know, we've got folks in, in the athletic department who are pretty strong Browns fans, and it's just fun to have that ba- banter back and forth with them. It is. It, it builds the community. So as someone who, who grew up uh, just north of Pittsburgh, do you have a favorite memory of attending a game either at Three Rivers or the recently renamed Heinz Field? Yeah. Um, so I've been to Three Rivers Field for both. Uh, uh, actually, I was there for a Pittsburgh Maulers game. I don't think I ever attended Three Rivers for a Steelers game. Uh, but the old, um, uh, what was it called? The Not the XFL, but... Uh, USFL? USFL, that's right. So I was there for one of those games. Uh, never attended a Steelers game. Was actually... My fondest memory was I was uh, in 1992, uh, so I was in college, just just started my freshman year of college. I went back and watched the NLCS championship series against the Braves, um, and that was just, that stadium being packed, and it was just a fun atmosphere. And uh, the was Braves that, was that the series where where uh, Sid Bream scores? Yeah, Sid Bream beat the beat the Pirates. You know, former Pirate player, probably the slowest man in, uh, yeah. in Major League Baseball. And uh, he came around chugging around third base. Now, I wasn't at that game. It was an earlier game that I was at. Uh, but I remember watching on TV and thought, no way he's scoring. I think it was Barry Bonds who made the throw. I'm like, there's no way he's scoring on Bonds' arm. Uh, but but he did. And uh, you know what? Sid, Sid Bream's a good man. He's a good Christian man. So he if was anyone uh, that, that I was happy for, I was happy was him. So Mike Lavalier, I think, was the catcher that night. Yeah, Spanky. Spanky. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. So I'm talking with Chris Cross, Director of Athletics at Cedarville University today on the podcast. And as I mentioned in the introduction, Chris, you've served in compliance since 2014 before getting your opportunity to be the Director of Athletics now. Eight years is a long time to wait until the opportunity that you have now to serve became available. So how were you able to persevere until the president named you the director just earlier this year? Well, when you believe in an organization, it's easy to stick around. Um, and I, I believe in the mission and vision of, of Cedarville University. Yep. Uh, it's the reason I came to Cedarville uh, was to was to join a, a, a Christian, uh, a truly Christian university who really lives out its mission, and, and Cedarville does just that. So you know, it, I had opportunities elsewhere, uh, both both as an athletic trainer and compliance um, elsewhere at, at larger institutions. But this is where this is where I call home. Yep. Um, so the, the minute I stepped foot on campus, I knew there was something different about this place. 
so that's how I wouldn't say persevere is a terrible word for that. Uh, mm. I flourished. I mean, I, I loved what I did in compliance. Uh, compliance was a stretch for me. I mean, that takes a lot of organization, um, a lot of communication. So it was a good opportunity for me to grow my, my, uh, professional skill set. Um, so I appreciated that time I spent in compliance. And, uh, if you look at, um, who's being hired as athletic directors nowadays, uh, a lot of them are coming from a compliance background. So what was it or multiple things from your job in compliance that helped prepare you for your current role? Yeah. So organization is the, is the biggest thing. Uh, public speaking and communication with coaches is another one. Uh, you know, I was, uh, in compliance, you, you need, the, the rules are always changing in, in the NCAA, you know, they, they meet once a year and, and vote on new legislation, but throughout the year, there's always uh, legislation that comes up. Non, they call it non-controversial legislation that kind of changes some of the, the rules. And so communication with the coaches has been my biggest area that that really helped me in being able to articulate uh, efficiently and um, have difficult conversations with coaches who who may or may not have, have broken a rule or had a question about a rule, or they came and come and asked me, you know, am I allowed to do this? Can, can we do it this way? And and just kind of working with them, finding a way to accomplish their goal um, and still maintaining the uh, the rules of the of the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand when you say the NCAA changes rules a lot. Yeah. And I don't know how, how you can stay up on all the rules. Well, you learn something and then it changes and now you have to go back and relearn it. And then, you know, you, you don't deal with that piece of legislation, that bylaw for another year or so. And you learned it one way, but then it changed and you relearn it. So you have to go back again because you haven't looked at it in, in a year and, and kind of, all right, what well, what was the right way? What did it change to? And, and kind of revisit those all the time. So. so was there ever a sticky moment where you were kind of worried that maybe we violated something, you know, without violations happen all the time. Uh, if you're not, if you're not catching violations at your institution, you're probably not doing your job. Uh, there's so many minute rules. Um, Give an example of a, a violation that yeah. whether we have done it or somebody right. else. Yeah, a common one is just contacting a student, a prospective student athlete before you're allowed to call them. Um, so it's in Division Two. It's June 15th, preceding their junior year. So as they transition from sophomores to juniors, June 15th is the day that the coaches can reach out to out to a, a student athlete actively. Um, and so coaches will get calls from student athletes all the time. You know that maybe younger than that. And so it's very easy for a coach to, to pick up the phone, call that student athlete back and, Oh, I find out she's a sophomore or he's a sophomore. Um, and that becomes a violation. Okay. Uh, and it's not a big deal. It happens all the time. We report it, we, uh, penalize the coach and it's nothing, you know, it's nothing major, uh, some rules education. If it happens repeatedly, maybe they can't call prospects for two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that, that's a very, that's probably the most common one we've had since I've been here and coaches come and self to close that. that in compliance at Cedarville is one of the best compliance jobs in the world because our coaches really strive to do things right. You know, I, you hear those stories about other places in the, in the, and how coaches are trying to hide things. And I've never found that at, at Cedarville because our coaches really want to uh, abide by the rules and do things the right way. And, and sometimes they're in my office, they're in my office. They were in my office complaining, you know, Hey, I saw this coach doing this and doing that and they shouldn't be here. They weren't, weren't allowed to talk to that kid and, and they get frustrated because other schools may, may yeah. not be following the rules yeah. all the time. And actually I went on a recruiting trip with uh, coach Estep one time. I witnessed a, a violation that another school had, uh, had was making and right in front of my eyes. And, and he just looks at me, we made eye contact. And I just shook my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, Pat. But, and, and he, he that, that frustrates our coaches more than anything. Cause yeah. we, we really try and follow the rules yeah. and seeing the guys on the recruiting trail who may not. Yeah. Following the rules and hearing you say that reminds me of the coaches are really trying to model 
some of our core values. And the one core value is integrity and conduct. That's right. right. Yeah, no doubt. I've never found any of our coaches uh, to ever violate that policy. If they do make a mistake, they own up to it uh, and we get it turned in. And, and it happens. We have probably maybe six to eight violations a year, which which is a healthy number. And it's something that you should expect at a Division yeah. II institution. So if a prospective student athlete, say he or she's a sophomore, mm-hmm. okay, so it's before the June 15th, yep. And that student athlete calls a coach. Mm-hmm. The coach can talk to the student. Yeah. So if the if the if the student picks up the phone, calls the office number of the coach, or gets the coach's cell phone number through their contacts, however they get the cell phone number, and uh, they are the one who initiates the phone call, the the coach can pick up and, and talk to them. Um, however, if they leave a message, if they send an email, the uh, the coach can always send an email back with a generic response. Hey, we can't talk to you till June fifteenth. Yeah. Um, and they 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 shouldn't be making phone calls at that point. But uh, but yeah, if if they call and the and the coach is in the office, coach picks up the phone, they can have a conversation. Or if they come on campus, okay, uh, they can have those face to face conversations as well. So it's not like they they can never talk, but it's a who initiates it and when it's initiated. Yeah, yeah and there's always ways around. Um, oh sure. Uh, you know, through through college co- or through uh, summer coaches and high school coaches that right. that student athletes can know that we're interested in, in them as well. Yeah. At Cedarville, Chris, athletics is more than just winning championships, although that's important. It's also about using our faith in Jesus for ministry. Mm-hmm. What is your vision for Yellow Jacket athletics and athletes? Yeah, so we set the vision um, this year at our beginning of the year meeting with our coaches. And uh, the last last year, and, and we're going to continue with this year, our focused verse has really been uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 4.1, uh, which states that, uh, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So we've kind of taken that to, with that with the hashtag kind of be known. We should be known. Uh, if a man's going to regard us as a servant of of Christ, um, we should be doing things differently. We should be uh, honoring all of God's word with with our with our play and our actions. And and Dr. White likes to say we want to dominate in the name of Christ, and that's exactly what we want to do. Uh, but we, we don't want to beat anyone down. Uh, we don't want to embarrass anybody. So at the end of that match, you'll see our student athletes praying with the other team. You know, giving you know cards to the to the other team, saying we're going to pray for you and and naming them specifically. Uh, I remember our, you know, we had a really successful year last year in athletics. We, you know, we had five teams uh, make the NCAA national uh, tournament. Um, and I got the chance to uh, travel down with our men's and women's cross country team uh, to St. Leo University at the national championship down there. And uh, it was a grueling race. The course was tough. It was on a golf course. It was very hilly, uh, uh, which is unusual a little bit for Florida. Uh, but uh, it was really warm humidity and uh several student athletes had a hard time finishing the race i think the leader at one point fell uh during that race and our guys struggled during the race didn't compete as well as they had hoped to uh but at the end of the end of the race i'm I'm walking down to the finish line after our last guy crossed and i I look over to the side of the finish line and there's a circle over there and i'm like what's going on over there so i walk over there and here it's our guys leading a prayer circle after a race that they're probably pretty disappointed in, in, in the results and, and the outcome, but they're leading a prayer with teams from all over the country. I remember guys crossing the finish line, looking over there and seeing that's a prayer circle. I want to be involved in that. And then really? spreading over there being, to be part of it. And Hey, wait for me. I want to be involved in that. You know, public institutions, um, you know, not necessarily Christian, Christian uh, schools were, were involved with that, but uh, that, that was a really good moment 
for me to to watch uh, as an athletic director because that's what Cedarville University Athletics. Well, is about. that has to be that's the pinnacle of what what we want. Yeah, not just in athletics, but in any any role that we perform here at Cedarville, yeah. whether yeah. it's me or you or we should always be striving for ways to minister. Now, as much as that's the pinnacle, you said something yesterday at the uh, yesterday we're, we're recording this in um, mid August. But uh, yesterday we had the dedication for the Callan Athletic and Academic Expansion, and you said some startling statistics about student-athlete grade point average. What um, was that all about? Yeah, so uh, not only have we been successful on the uh, on the athletic field, you know, I, I talked about the five national championship appearance last year. We had some individuals in, in track also uh, make the national championship there, but our student athlete, student athletes academically, mm-hmm. unbelievable. We had 183 GMAC scholar athletes. Now we have just under 300 student athletes at the varsity level. Wow. 183 made the GMAC uh, all all scholar team. Um, and then uh, our cumulative GPA, a 3.44 cumulative GPA for our student athletes. That's remarkable. And I just I, I pray that Dr. White doesn't go back and look at my college transcripts because uh, I understand. I'm, they may not be a 3.44, maybe by the end, but the first two years are a little rough. You have to add each semester for me well, to get the 3.44. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no our student athlete, the 3.44 cube GPA, just tremendous. So we're really excited about that. Every one of our athletic teams had a 3.0 GPA, cumulative 3.0 GPA. So that, that's fantastic. How does that compare across the NCAA or D2? Uh, I would venture to say not a lot of teams. I don't know if I have the hard data, but for a school to say that every one of their teams has a 3.0 GPA, I think that would be rare. We've made nine consecutive presidents awards for academic excellence, mm. uh, which is a, uh, a, a six-year graduation rate statistic. So we've had nine consecutive ones of those. Um, and, and Lord willing, we'll have another, a 10th one coming up this year uh, that gets announced later in November. So our, our student athletes in the classroom are just tremendous. Uh, they really represent Christ well in all they do. They take everything they do and, and try and do it with excellence. That's that's great to hear. And, and one of the thing we uh, we're gonna we're honoring uh, one particular graduate uh, this year, uh, Rachel Sweeney Bredesen. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only was Rachel selected as the GMAC Woman of the Year, and that includes athletics and academic performance, uh, so she was the GMAC Woman of the Year. She was also the GMAC Scholar of the Year. Um, you know, she's a uh, pharmacy major for us, 4.0 GPA, uh, just a tremendous young lady and competed really well, made the NCAA uh, track uh, national championship as well. So uh, we're, we're really excited about, uh, you know, what she accomplished. Um, she's in the running uh, for the NCAA uh, Woman of the Year. Uh, mm-hmm. So the NCAA will select 10 at each level. So 10 Division three student athletes, 10 to Division two, and, and so on. And so we're we're, we're praying that uh, Rachel is honored because she deserves it. That'd be great. Yeah. Fabulous. And and for someone who's in a very rigorous academic program in pharmacy. Yeah, no kidding. That even speaks uh, higher to yeah. what she accomplished. Yeah, no doubt. So, Chris, you've been described as a leader who is willing to get into the trenches with your athletic staff and athletes. Why is that so important to you? I, you know, Christ modeled this. Servant leadership is is what we should be all about. You know, it's just how I – it's really how I was raised. You know, I – I tell my staff, I, I have a 1998 Jeep Wrangler that I drive around, and, and I do most of the work on that myself, and that's just kind of who I am. So I, I love getting my hands dirty, my hands greasy, um, and that just translates into, into how I want to do my jobs. You know, I have a great staff who work really diligently and really hard, and I, I love uh, the people that, uh, that, that serve in the athletic department. 
you know, it's it's my job to make sure that I can help them out in whatever task it is. So you'll you'll see me in the gym setting up the gym for for basketball games or or whatever. And uh, I just want to model to my staff that I love them, mm-hmm. I appreciate them, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm here to serve them and really work with them and, and allow them to be successful in in whatever avenue they're called to be in. That's a great model, and uh, I, I commend you for that. Chris Cross is my guest today on the program, and Chris, in the seven months that you've served as uh, Cedarville's athletic director. What are some key lessons you've already learned and how are you able to implement these lessons as you lead the athletic department? Yeah. So the, the key thing for me is I tend to be a little bit impatient. I want things done now. So learning that, uh, you know, it, it takes time to accomplish some goals and that we need to make sure that we have all the stakeholders at the table and I can't just make uh, decisions independently. Uh, I think that's been the biggest uh, learning point and, and challenge for me is I just want to get things done. I want to get things accomplished. Um, so I need to make sure that uh, I'm talking to all the right people, um, getting the right people involved, and um, and just learning that uh, th- this the athletic department is a small piece of the university, uh, and it's our job to really represent and promote the brand of, of the university. Yeah. And so when people see a Cedarville student-athlete, that they uh, they know what we stand for um, and that uh, we're, we've done things the right way. So that's probably been the biggest lesson I've learned this year, uh, and I continue to learn it. And the Lord continues to challenge me in that. It's difficult. We we want to progress quickly, uh, but God's timing is not always our timing, and right. we just need to be patient and wait on that. Yeah. Do you um, get the opportunity any year? I mean, you haven't had a full year yet in the in the new job, but to speak to all the student-athletes? Oh, yeah. So um, as interim last year, I spoke to all, every student-athlete coming in. Uh, we have an all-athlete meeting at the beginning of the year, and uh, so the, usually they come in in two groups all this year with uh, – uh, the fall festival in the NCAA Division II. They've, they're coming in in three groups. Um, but uh, I speak to every student-athlete at that meeting. Uh, and again, I challenge them with uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 4.1, um, and we're, we're going to be known. And and our focus this year is is I think our student-athletes do a really good job externally. Um, you know, every everywhere I go, every athletic director I meet, they're just so impressed by our student-athletes, and they give me compliments on our student-athletes and the way they behave and interact with with everyone yeah. on the road. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that we're taking that same thought um, – and uh, applying that internally on campus as well. So, you know, my challenge our student athletes. This is the this is the biggest challenge. Is hey, I want you to be in, in the first two rows of of every classroom. Um, well, wow. we'll see we'll see if that happens. I, I get eighteen to twenty two year olds uh, may not want to sit up there. You know, hey, I, I go to church and where do I sit? I sit in the back too. So I I get all that. Um, but uh, we want to be known uh, on campus as servants of Christ as well. So it's it's going to be an intentional challenge for our student athletes whether it's in Chuck's, in the dining hall, uh, or in the dorm, you know, at, at alt nights, whatever it is, that we're representing Christ well in all of those venues. So we're, we're turning our focus. We're still going to do those external external things, but we're going to really turn our focus internally and make sure that, that, that the professors know that we love them and we're, we're there to do excellent work in the classroom. Uh, we're going to treat everyone in Chuck's as we'd want to be treated. Um, so that's the focus and the goal this year. I only have time for maybe a question or two. And I noticed, uh, as we talked about the dedication of the Callan Athletic and academic expansion, that inside the, the weight room yesterday, I, I noticed the phrase, competing for Christ, competing for championships, and changing sport culture. How are you able to pursue these objectives with your coaches and athletes? 
Yeah. So it's, it's showing up every day and doing the work is the, is the first part of it. And, uh, making, I mean, the, we, we want to contend for championships, so we're not going to discount that at all. So if, if you're a prospective student athlete considering Cedarville, Cedarville university, uh, we want to win and we want to do it with excellence. So we're going to contend for championships, changing sport culture. That that's a challenge. You know, we talked a little bit about a little bit about it earlier and, and just growing up in youth sports and how that's changed over the years and right. the focus of that's really turned to the individual student athlete instead of the, the experience of having uh, a community involved there. But we want to make sure, like our volleyball team, you know, the, the honor call that our volleyball team does right. is, is tremendous. That That's one aspect of us changing sport culture that we so want to do what, this with integrity. Tell us what the honor call is. I know what it is. Yeah, but it, so... If I can tell a little story about that. So my first year at Cedarville, Teresa Clark was the was the coach of the volleyball team. And we made the NIA, NAIA National Championship. So we traveled out to Point Loma Nazarene University. And just tremendous volleyball out there. You know, a lot yeah. of schools had international student-athletes that were just unbelievable student-athletes. And we it was a struggle for us to really compete at that level. So the first year we went out there, we, we, didn't, we didn't do very well on the, on the court. Uh, we went back out there the next year, and we competed a little bit better. We had a great year. And uh, we were about to to win our first match, and one of our one of our young ladies on a block touched the ball, but the official didn't see it. You know, awarded the point to us. I think it was um, just gave us a serve at the time. It wasn't rally scoring at the time, but our our young lady then held up her hand, told the official, "No, no, I touched that ball because it's t- that's a tough call to see, and sure. officials sometimes miss that." Uh, but our young ladies have the integrity to say no. You know, if they touch the ball on on a spike, that they're gonna they're gonna raise their hand and tell the officials that, that they touch the ball, and the point then goes to the other team. So that's part of the integrity and conduct and, and the changing sport culture that that we really want to embrace with all of our athletic teams. Um, I know that's sometimes difficult. I, I don't think a baseball player is gonna turn around and tell the umpire, "No, that was a strike." No, um, I, but that is a rule in volleyball. It's an obscure rule, but it is a rule in volleyball. So uh, we take advantage of that, and we still continue to do that to this day. That's, that's highly commendable. It's, it's, it's a challenge, I know. I mean, being a, a competitive, somewhat athlete myself, boy, you, you want to yeah. win, and when you have a chance, yeah. don't want to change yeah. that. that. That was a pivotal moment. I mean, it was, like I said, it was it was game point for us, and uh, she made that honor call, and I, it tied the game, and then I think the other team came back and won that match, um, mm. if I remember correctly. I, Teresa probably knows that better than I do. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's what we're all about. That's who we want to be, and that's part of changing sport cultures, little things like that. Yeah. My last question, and we've touched on it throughout the podcast, but we'll end it here, and that is at the end of the day, Chris, when games are over, how do you want Cedarville University Athletics to be viewed by fans, opposing teams, and the sports world in general? Yeah. I want our student athletes to be known that um, they play hard. They, they, they play the game the right way. They play it with integrity. But at the end of the game, you know what? They loved us. They were concerned about us as people, uh, not just competitors on the athletic field. Yeah. So if, if, we, if we don't walk away from a match or a, or a game or a competition where the, that competitor doesn't know that we care about them as a person – and where they're going to end their, um, you know, where they're going to eventually end up, um, you know, uh, that that's a problem. We want we want everyone to know that Christ loves them, mm-hmm. and that they they have a path uh, to spending eternity with Him. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we want our student athletes known for, and uh, it, it, I, I love watching our student athletes do just that. I get I get emails routinely from folks on planes who've interacted with our student athletes, folks who have seen our student athletes in, in restaurants and just love the way they behaved. And, and, and that's, that's what it's all about. 
I get I get so many more of those types of emails than the other type of emails. Nice. I get very few of the other ones actually, and so um, that that's just what we want to do. That's who we want to be. And, and if if a student athlete, an opposing student athlete, doesn't walk away from from a game with us or a competition with us, knowing that we care about them as a person, and well, then we're not successful as an athletic department. Well said, and uh, I really enjoyed our thirty minutes or so together, just talking sports and talking Cedarville athletics and. I wish you the best as you lead the athletic department. I know you'll do a great job. Thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. Yeah, love to do it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.